evening with me, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 4. We will finish our short series on the parable of the sower, the parable of the seed, and the parable of the soil. And uh, all the previous messages are recorded, and I encourage you to listen to those if you were not here for any of them, and even to listen to them again, because this parable is the most important parable that Jesus ever gave in his public ministry by his own admission. Because he says in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, and he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? That's why we say this is the major one, the most important one. And then he begins to describe the parable and what it means. He says in beginning in verse 14, if you'll look with me please, the sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. <clears throat> Excuse me. And these are they which are sown on, on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Father, we're grateful for the word. <coughs> we do choose to hide it away in our hearts that we may not sin against you. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. <clears throat> and we trust the Holy Spirit tonight to live big within us, to be our teacher and to be our guide. I ask you, Lord, to open this passage to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the water. Jesus, if you give the cup of water in the name of an apostle or just uh, what apostle is this James John <laughs> praise the Lord amen we last week looked at the very first kind of soil that the seed goes upon knowing that the seed is the word of God God is the sower <clears throat> but most sowing in the earth is through delegated sowers they're men of God and women of God when you share the word with somebody, you're sowing seed. And so it falls on different kinds of ground, and we've talked about that, so we won't go back and say much about what we've already said. But the first strategy of the devil was to make people stony ground, hard wayside ground. And in that kind of a atmosphere or that kind of circumstance, it's easy for the word to be stolen. It never takes root. It doesn't begin to do anything as far as production. And so it's stolen away. And in uh, Matthew's recording of this parable, he likens it to people who hear it but don't understand. So it's very important that uh, we are faithful and accurate to Scripture 
in explaining and sowing and telling people the Word of God so that they hear the truth. We don't want to cloud the issue, muddy the water. We're not trying to show people how smart we are, how much we know. We are trying to sow the good seed of the Word of God that has the power to change lives. Now, tonight, we're going to look at the second and third strategies of the enemy, the second and third kinds of ground. We'll look at, then at the fourth one at the very end. But tonight, we want to talk about the first, the stony ground. That's Satan's second strategy to keep the word from producing is by making us stony ground. Now, I've been to Israel, interesting trip. And one of the things you find out when you go there is that Israel is a rocky place. I don't believe I've ever been anywhere in my life that there were more rocks than there are in, in, in Israel. <clears throat> and uh, so when Jesus taught this parable, the people around him would have absolutely related and known exactly what he was talking about. So stony ground here is ground that has rocks in it. But there's also something else about the stony ground in that part of the world. And it's that the soil, there can be soil over top of like a shelf of rock. And that soil is shallow. On the surface, it might appear very rich. But it doesn't have enough depth to sustain the plant until it gets to harvest. And Jesus said this is the second area of uh, opposition to the word that's sown. The second way that people are robbed of their harvest. And so he explains it by saying that these are people who immediately receive the word with gladness. In other words, these are people who are excited about the message, whatever that may be. They hear about divine healing, they're excited about that. They hear about prosperity, God meeting their needs, and sowing and reaping, they're excited about that. They hear about God's plan for a good family, a loving marriage, they get excited about that. But your excitement about the Word is an incitement to the devil. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm not saying that to tell you don't get excited about the word. You should. But our excitement is an incitement to the devil because he begins to realize it, it didn't get stolen. It's in some ground. And we've got to do some things here to keep this seed from producing a harvest. So I want to tell you, be prepared for what comes next. Be prepared for what comes next. Now, first of all, Jesus said these people, you know, they, they receive the word with gladness. And um, they, are, uh, they don't have any, and they immediately receive it. So it's, it's something that comes. They're excited when you would, uh, if you'd be in that meeting with that person, you'd think, man, they're, they're just really on their way. They're excited about the things of God. But he said they don't have any root in themselves. Now, a root, of course, is a part of a, of a plant, it's the part of the plant body that functions to absorb water and nutrients. And if you separate a plant from its root, it gets no more water, it gets no more nutrients, so it doesn't grow, it just dies away. So it's important. And so this kind of soil is soil that will not support a strong root system, which means there won't be adequate water for the plant and there won't be adequate food for the plant. Now, we learned Sunday that from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 
that every time we hear the word again, we are actually getting that seed of the word watered. And Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So increase doesn't come without the watering of seed. And that's why we need to hear the same things over and over and over again. Just about when you think I've heard this so many times, if he would just sit down, I could finish this verse or finish this story. That's about when you're about ready to get it. Because it's got to get lodged in there and it's got to take root. And so the root of the plant absorbs the water and the nutrients that are essential to life. And also the root anchors and supports the growing plant. So it's a conduit for water and food, and it is a supporting mechanism to keep the plant upright so it can grow and can produce. So this is very important. That's why the devil wants to get uh, a seed into a shallow place so that there can't really be any strong root system and there won't be any harvest. And so Jesus said in this kind of a situation, people endure but for a time. And the implication here is they don't endure long enough to finish the season. So there's no harvest. Now, in that kind of a situation, what is happening? What's going on? What causes this to happen? Well, Jesus explained it this way. He said, afterward, uh, afflictions or persecutions arise for the word's sake and immediately they are offended. So let's think about this for a moment. One of the first ways that the devil steals the word from people is by t causing them to misunderstand it, not understand it, completely take it away from them. They don't hear it anymore. And they're just separated from the power and the potential of the seed. And the second way is when a person actually does get some seed into some ground, he goes to work with afflictions, and with uh, persecutions. Notice what he says that. Immediately they are offended when afflictions are persecutions. Now afflictions, this word is from the word that means pressure. So this affliction is not just talking about, you know, sometimes when we use the word affliction in our modern day, people always think about sickness. But that's not always the case in the Bible. Uh, it can be in certain cases, but this word is from the word that we would get pressure from. So when you hear the truth, especially in the first season of that, the first days of that, you can expect that the devil some way, somehow is going to try to put pressure on you to get you to back away from the word. And of course, this word also comes from, uh, means anguish. Anguish, you know, that's, pretty, that's a pretty strong emotion. That's, that's beyond frustration. It's anguish. And it also means burdened. It is a word used for uh, tribulation and trouble. Everybody say trouble. So the idea that we receive the word and it exempts us from all trouble is not a correct teaching. And I want to throw this out here. That's one of the ongoing criticisms that people make about 
churches like ours that are Pentecostal word of faith churches. People say all the time that we're teaching people that if you just have faith, you will never have any trouble. Well, I want to tell you, I've been uh, full-time in ministry. This July will be 43 years. I have never had anybody in my pulpit ever make that statement, and I have never made that statement. None of my mentors or, or even peers that I respect have I ever heard make such a foolish statement. I don't know why that keeps getting bandied about by people, but that's not what we're teaching. That's not what we're saying. As a matter of fact, if you want to look at it in quite the opposite way, it's because there are troubles in life. It's because there are temptations. There are persecutions. There, are, there is pressure. It's why you need faith. Because faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Faith is your ability to please God. Faith is your uh, ability to receive from God. And faith is your victory to overcome the enemy and overcome the world. And so uh, uh, no wonder the devil brings trouble when you start hearing the word because he knows that's the thing he can't resist. He has no way of overcoming the power of the word. So that's what this is all about. This whole parable of the sower, it's all about the devil trying to take the word from you so that you will not produce the harvest that the word says you can have. So uh, tribulation and trouble and pressure is going to come to a Bible believer. For one reason, you are out of sync with the world. You don't think like they're thinking. That doesn't mean you may not know what they're thinking. You might be well aware of some of their attitudes, but those are not your attitudes. And those are not the thoughts you hold sacred and dear. Your uh, priorities and your belief system is different from the world's. And for many, many years in our nation here... Uh, you could hold to the truths of Christianity, and it was pretty much a mainstream thing. But in recent years, more and more, we who believe the Bible are at odds with the culture we're living in. We're at odds with the, the, the uh, voices that are so loud in media and, and many in politics and other places. And so I want to tell you that you need to understand that if you believe the Bible and you declare the Bible and you make decisions about your life based on the Bible, you're going to get some pressure. And there's going to be some persecutions. Amen. And so what we don't want to do is be like this person Jesus is describing and not have a strong root system, not be fully grounded in the things of God. We need to know what we believe, and why we believe them. And if there are things that you're not sure about, I would say 2023 is the year you need to get sure. You need, as Peter instructed us, to be able to give every man an answer about the faith that you have. You know, the, the days of coasting along, they're coming to a quick conclusion and we're seeing somewhat of a sifting of the tares and the wheat. And we're seeing somewhat of a sifting of those who are true believers and those who are just along for the ride. 
the, the quote, social uh, Christian or whatever. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I've already made up my mind that I will never compromise what I believe in the Word of God if I have to believe it from a jail cell. You don't wait until the affliction comes or the trouble comes or the persecution comes and then try to determine if you're going to stand on the Word. You need to get that done now. When the seed is sown, it is your Word from God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I truly hope that 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 doesn't happen for any of us. But it's good to... To be stirred and, under, and, and really settle what you believe. Now you'll notice that these afflictions and persecutions are for the word's sake. This isn't talking about you're goofing off on the job and you got fired. This isn't talking about you were driving 85 miles an hour in a 55 zone and you got a ticket. This isn't talking about... You snuck. You know what snuck is? That's like sneaking, but it's snuck. It's not talking about you snuck and took something that you shouldn't have taken, and now you're in trouble for it. No, it's not talking about that. This is talking about something that happens to us because of the Word of God we have in our heart. And it's important, as I say, to know what that is. And so... um, When this happens to this group of people, if they're not truly grounded, then it says immediately they are offended. Immediately they're offended. That word offended means to scandalize. So in other words, they're they're really, they're huffy. They're really, you know, they're really upset. This kind of offense, I would venture to say, is probably often accompanied by anger. And the word means to trip up, to stumble, to entice to sin. Have you ever gotten so offended that you just blew a gasket and sinned? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Had to repent, maybe not only to God, but to somebody else. That's, that's powerful offense. And you know, don't you, that living with that kind of offense will absolutely stop your faith from working. It will grind your prayer life to a halt as far as results. You can't live with offense and walk by faith. You can't live with offense and have the blessings of God fully manifested in your life. And so it's important for us to understand that many times... When things happen and we are tempted to be offended, to be hurt, to be angry, to lash out, to retaliate, it really is wise to take a moment before you say or do anything to really examine why is this happening? Is this happening because I'm doing what's right? Is this happening because I'm declaring what's right? Is this happening because I believe what's right? Because if it is happening for that reason, then the devil is just trying to take the word from you. And he would love to to bring something against you and then stand back and laugh at you as you, as I said a while ago, as you blow a gasket. 
maybe destroy your testimony with somebody and all kinds of bad things begin to happen. So we, we don't want to allow affliction that's pressure or trouble or persecution for the word's sake to cause us to be offended and cause the word to cease working in our lives. And I can just tell you, if you believe the Bible, then there's all kinds of folks in our world today that think you're a bigoted hater. If you believe the Bible about marriage, about human sexuality, if you believe Genesis, that God created male and female, there are people that will absolutely write you off. And it's not just being, quote, canceled uh, from Internet activity, but there are people who, who it's proven, even, even recently. There are people who would kill because of their radical ideas. If you want to know the future we're going into from the secular side. Now, I'm not talking about what God's going to do through the church because the church is the church and God's still, you know, it's still his church and Jesus is still the head of the church. I believe that some of the greatest days and manifestations of the Spirit are ahead for the church. But if you want to know about the culture we're marching into, just do a little history and look at, at Rome in the first century church. Many of the same cultural issues that are flooding America today are not new. They were around 2,000 years ago. And just like it created a hotbed, a cauldron of, of uh, persecution and hatred for Christians, it's doing the same thing today. That's why you really need to know what you believe. You may say, well, God's... God's a, a miracle working God. Yes, he is. But listen, you can't count on miracles if you're offended. You can't count on miracles if you're just trying to fight the battle in the flesh. If you've got all kinds of pent-up anger and resentment and all that kind of stuff and you get all carried away, you, your faith's not going to work like it should. You know, you, you declare truth, but, uh, but you, you need to know that the truth in you is the truth it will produce. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the second one. And uh, the, uh, or actually it will be the third area that the devil tries to steal the word from us. And Jesus likened that to those which are sown among thorns. These are people who hear the word. But then he said the cares of this world, number one. And the deceitfulness of riches, number two. And the lusts of other things entering in, number three, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. It chokes the word. It's, um, it's a powerful thing that the devil tries to do. Number one, the cares of this world. That word means age. It's the Greek word aeon. Uh, so it means the, all the, the cares of the age you're living in. Just some of what I was talking about a few moments ago would be in that category as well. The cares of this world. Will you be able to be a believer and keep your job? 
Will you be able to believe what you believe and do what you do and, uh, and, and succeed in your particular business or whatever? Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a job someplace. That doesn't mean you can't succeed and, and be prosperous. But what it means is the world we're living in now, it will become more and more difficult for Bible believers to function without any hindrances. But what you've got to be careful of is that you don't get so worried and so full of care about what's going on in this age that you forget that God is still God. The Word still works. The Holy Ghost is still the Holy Ghost. And greater is He that's in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Cares of this world, one of the, the ideas of this is a distraction. And I don't know of a time in my life that there's, there, there's more distraction than right now. It is a constant 24-7 situation where somebody wants your ear. Somebody wants to tell you something. Somebody wants to influence you. As a matter of fact, that's one of the words used in connection with today's modern uh, communication system is the word influencer. And that is part of how the devil tries to steal the word from you. And I mentioned Sunday, and it almost sounds like a cliche, but there's a lot of truth in it, that there are people that... Uh, they, they know more about, for instance, the Kardashians, and I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-Kardashian per se, but they, <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> but, forgive me, but anyway, uh, but there are people who know more about that than they know about, than they know about Jesus Christ. The distractions that are in the world. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7 says, let's look at that one. Casting all your care. Remember this is one of the ploys of the devil, the cares of this world. And, and Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That'd be like me coming along, and I've got this wheelbarrow. You got all this stuff you're trying to carry, and I'd say, Here, put all that in the wheelbarrow, and I'll take it for you. That's what God's saying. Cast your care over on me, I'll take care of it. You see, God's qualified. You and I aren't. We aren't, but He is. Casting your care, that is about like, has anybody ever used like strapping tape, double face tape, some kind of tape deal? And, and you get it caught up in your fingers and your hands and you're trying to put it where you want it. And it that's sometimes the, what it's like trying to get rid of care. It really wants to stick to you. It really wants to come back. You think you've got it settled and all of a sudden your mind takes off again. And here you've got to go back through. But I'm telling you that if you will cast your care on the Lord, He will take care of it. In other words, it's not a matter that you don't have enough sense to worry. You probably heard that saying. Somebody said, they don't have enough sense to be worried. No, it's the very opposite. We have too much sense to be worried. Amen. 
So we don't want to live with care. That's one of the major keys that the devil uses to steal the word from you and to distract you. We're supposed to cast our care upon the Lord. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 tells us to cast all of our care upon him. And it tells us that to the Amplified uses the terminology, all your anxiety, all your cares, once for and for all upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. Uh, the King James says in Philippians 4 and 6, Be careful or anxious, we might say, for nothing. You know, a lot of times people think that you're uncaring because you don't worry with them. And you know what? That's right. It doesn't mean you don't have compassion. It doesn't mean you're unloving. It just means that you know worry is not going to fix anything. And there are people in this world, bless their heart, if you don't have the same emotions as they do, then they're upset with you. You have to think what they think, and you have to feel what they feel, or they can't be your friend. And you see, those are distractions that the devil uses to try to steal the word from you. You're not going to get anybody healed, including yourself, because you're full of worry and fear. But if you're full of faith and power, people get healed and you get healed. And faith and power does not worry. Faith and power is not sitting around biting their fingernails and uh, pulling their hair out trying to figure out how in the world we're going to do all this. Faith trusts God. Amen. And so we are to cast our cares upon the Lord. Now, there's a, there's a verse that I'm going to ask you if you got your Bible to turn to. And that's Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. Because this is so important, it helps us to understand uh, perhaps a little better uh, this whole thing of care. What, if, how do I know if I'm successfully dealing with care or if I'm a victim of it? I'm you know, falling prey to this attack of the devil. Jesus said in his teaching in John chapter 6 verse 31, the Sermon on the Mount as we call it, he says... Um, Matthew, it's Matthew 6, I'm sorry, 631. Whatever I said before that, pay no attention to that. It's Matthew 6, 31. So he's talking about, um, oh, let's look and see. Let's start back. Actually, let's start with uh, verse 27. For which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought. Now we understand that it's the same idea of a care. Don't be worried. Take no thought saying. Notice that. Take no thought saying. When you say it, that thought's become yours. You've taken it. You've taken it. So, you know, you take a, a pill. Somebody said, did you take your medicine? You know, well, until you've actually taken it into you, you haven't taken it. And so it is with a a careful thought, a worry, a thought of fear or anxiety, a thought of lack or whatever it may be. 
It's when you say it that you've fully taken it. Jesus said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. The world is all about these things. He says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, if you study that, look at some other translations, you'll find that he's not saying that we don't plan for tomorrow. That doesn't mean that you can't plan a, a meal for tomorrow, or you can't have a calendar to know where you need to be at 11 a.m. in the morning, or whatever the case may be. But what it means is you're not worrying about it. You're not living in fear about it. And so we don't want to uh, let the thorns of care, worry, enter in and distract us and keep us from harvest. Amen? Now the next thing Jesus mentioned in Mark 4 uh, about the thorns is this thing of the deceitfulness of riches. And notice the thorn, this, this whole thing about care and deceitfulness of riches, it has to enter in before it's going to do its work. In other words, we have to let it in. We have to consent. We may not know we've consented. It might be, as we say sometimes, a consent of ignorance, but yet we have let it in. And that's why we've got to be careful that we don't uh, get caught up in this stuff. And when we see that's beginning to happen, we just got to put the brakes on and stop and get in the Word until we deal with these issues. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and lusts of other things entering in. Choke the Word. Notice the deceitfulness of riches. What, is, what does that mean? We know that Money isn't evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself is amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It depends on whose hand it in, is in, how it will work. So how would we be deceived by riches? Just think about it for a moment. Uh, there are people who actually think that just a certain amount of money, in addition to what they have right now, would solve all their problems. That's... A person who's deceived by riches. There are people who think if they just had enough money, life would be just okay. They don't realize that money cannot buy true riches. Jesus spoke about true riches. And those are the things that we need most. And that only come from God. And they aren't for sale. So money is something we use. It's not something that uses us. God doesn't mind his kids having money. He just doesn't want the money to have them. Have you ever known a wealthy person who truly didn't think they were wealthy? I remember years ago, uh, many years ago, I, uh, I remember knowing a man uh, who, who made this statement to me. He's about himself, that he had made, these are his words, a little money. And this was in the 1980s. He was worth tens of millions of dollars. 
But in his mind, he'd made a little money. You see, riches are very deceptive. Almost nobody that has their trust in riches ever has enough to do them. In their mind, I'm saying. And we have to be careful. Jesus said that that's one of the ways the devil steals the word from you. Because I can tell you that if, if money controls you and greed controls you and you're not generous as a believer, then you will hinder the move and the flow of God in your own personal life. And when that kind of spirit gets into churches and that's how the church leadership functions and that's how the congregation feels, then there's no move of God even in a congregation. There are churches with bukus as we say you know that's greek for a whole lot they're they're bukus of money that they won't spend they won't sow they won't invest in the gospel they're just sitting on it and those churches are as dead as a doornail you can't have a mighty move of god in a in and and a spirit of greed at the same time it just doesn't work. Now, the, the third thing that Jesus mentioned entering in that will, will keep the word from producing is what he called the lusts of other things. The lusts of other things. Now, we know that generally speaking, lust means strong desire. And this word actually comes from a word for longing. So this is more than just, I want a ham sandwich. This is, this is really serious. Unless you may be really serious about your ham sandwich, I don't know. Uh, but this is a longing, especially, now, now get this, especially for what is forbidden. This word would be translated concupiscence. And that means strong desire, especially sexual desire. Now, I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just trying to say that one of the ways the devil will rob you of the power of your harvest in the word of God is to crowd you drown you because those are words from the original that would have to do with this thorn issue choke you with these kinds of things and so we have to be very careful that we don't let this kind of lust because this is more than the desire to have another meal and this is more than, than a godly marital relationship with your spouse. This goes beyond into the areas that are forbidden in the word of God. Things that might please your flesh, but they don't please God. And they will pollute your spirit. Now to avoid these things from entering into our heart, we've got to learn to practice 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Verses 4 and 5. That's our last reference for tonight. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verses 4 and 5. And of course, this passage is familiar to many of you because the word here says, uh, and you've heard it maybe many times before, for the weapons of our warfare, and this is on my spiritual warfare, of course, are not carnal or natural. But mighty through God 
to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, can you see that this last thing that Jesus taught about, this thorny ground, this uh, cares of the world, the worries and fears and anxiety and pressure of the world, as well as um, the deceitfulness of riches, the wrong attitude about money, and then the lusts of other things, just letting your flesh go crazy, we might say, let it run wild. Can you see how that those can become strongholds? And so we're told that we have some weapons to pull those things down with. And he says in verse 5, casting down. That's throwing down. That's not gently laying down. That's throwing them away. Imaginations. What's an imagination? That is a mental image. Cast it down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That'd be the word. We're talking about the sower sowing the word. All these things are coming against the word. Now the devil hates you and he wants you to fail and he wants you to be miserable and he'd like to ruin your life. That's true. But more than that or in addition to that, he is greatly afraid of your success because it, no, it doesn't just bless you, but it's going to bless the generations that follow you, your family. It's going to affect people you know, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Your testimony is involved in this. So we cast down imaginations or mental images and pictures and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. How do you take a thought? Remember what we just said, Matthew 6.31? By saying. So how are we going to cast down imaginations and take thoughts captive? By saying. Bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when those things come across your mind, when those things uh, show up, and the devil's trying to tempt you, he's trying to take you aside, he's trying to keep the word from, from producing in your life, what you need to do is open your mouth. You're not going to feel like it at that moment. You may not want to at that moment. But that's what you must do to cast that down. Whether it's a thought of fear and worry, anxiety, death, sickness, disease, uh, uh, family disaster, children dying, going to hell, not serving God, all those things he tells people about them and about their families and those they love, or whether it's him talking to you about your health and your healing, or talking to you about your financial situation, or talking to you about the state of things in this terrible fallen world we're stuck in here right now, whatever it might be, you've got to learn to speak the word of God and cast down those things and declare how it's going to be for me and my house. Like Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. There may be hell all around me, but I won't have it in my house. And by the way, if you stay in my house, you can't go to hell from my house. There's no, there's no route from my house to hell. There's no way that the devil is going to drag us through the same things that he's dragging the world through. We understand and know that the greater one on the inside of us is greater than he that's in the world. That's part of the last day's church's testimony is the blessing of God upon us. Hallelujah. These three things will strangle the word completely. That's what that means. Drown, crowd, or choke the word until it becomes unfruitful. So deal with it. I don't mean that to sound hateful or mean, but you've got to deal with this. 
You've got to deal with it. And then, of course, what is there to say from Mark 4 about the good ground? Jesus said these are those who hear, those who receive. And according to Matthew's teaching, they would understand and then bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. I think it's interesting that the least amount of harvest that he talked about was a 30-fold harvest. That's 30 times, not 30%. If you had an investment that brought you 30% on your money this year, you would think that's marvelous. And it would be in the natural. But he's not talking about 30%. He's talking about 30 times. That's the least. So this word is really, truly the best investment you'll ever make of your time and your energy and your thoughts and your affections to put the word of God inside of you. Because no matter what need arises... There'll be a word for that need to be met. Amen? Praise the Lord. Father, I'm grateful and thankful for this word. Lord, many of us here have been putting this word into our lives for years. We've been hearing the word. We've been speaking the word. And we have been doing the word. So, Father, I know that we have harvests that are coming. I know, Lord, that there are harvesting factors. We learned about some of them just the other day. Lord, and we choose to rejoice, and we choose to confess, and, and Lord, we choose to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit and to be doers of the Word. So, Lord, we've, we're expecting some mighty harvests. <laughs> yes, we're expecting some great harvests. They're on the way. They're on the way. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Let's stand up and laugh at destruction and famine. Let's laugh at impossibilities. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. Glory. Glory. Our best days are ahead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The sower soweth the word. Hallelujah. We bless you tonight, Lord. If there's anybody here tonight that is needing an answer, direction, and guidance, I pray, Lord, that as they meditate on this word, that that answer comes to them. The Holy Spirit speaks to their hearts. I thank you for your healing power in this place tonight, Lord. We command sickness, disease, and pain to go in the name of Jesus. We are the healed, not the sick. That's who we are. And so we thank you, Lord, for long life, and health, and strength. We'll live long, we'll live strong, we'll live well. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you for spiritual life and spiritual wholeness. Anybody listening, Lord, right now that needs to repent, then help them to do that right now. It's not a feeling, it's an action, it's, a, it's an act of the will. And as they repent and as they yield to you, I thank you for forgiving and cleansing them. If there's anybody that doesn't know Jesus right now, if you'll just ask him to come in. If you will confess him as your Lord, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, you will ask him to forgive your sins and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Take him now, he wants to come in. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. It's not a question of whether he wants to save you. It's a question of whether or not you will receive the salvation he's already provided. Bought and paid for with the precious.
precious blood of Jesus. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.